welcome to shruti out loud a podcast where i invite guests from different walks of life to share their stories of following their passion success and happiness which in turn motivates our listeners to follow their heart hello and welcome back to shruti outlook podcast this episode is another collaboration with queens lounge by akanshi garg and our today's guest is um, somebody who is going to talk about a topic that has never been discussed with our audience before that has never been brought on this channel before and i am quite looking forward to th- having this interaction so our today's guest is dr nupur garg uh she is an ivf and fertility specialist and she is also gynecologist and obstetrician who's presently in charge of sci ivf center noida so let's bring her on board and ask some really burning questions and i'm pretty sure that these are the questions that even you have in your mind so let's have her on board and let's ask all these questions from her and have her answer them thank you Welcome, Doctor Nupur. Welcome to Shruti Out Loud Podcast. Thank you so much, Shruti. It's my pleasure. We are glad that you have uh, accepted and agreed to be a part of this and sharing your knowledge with all our audience. And I think this is one of the topics that is not discussed very often, and also um, a lot of people don't really know about this. So let's get into the list of our questions and take this conversation ahead. So my first question for you would be could you tell what is IVF for a better understanding of our audience So uh, Shruti uh, IVF uh, if we uh, expand the full form of IVF it is in vitro fertilization and uh, fertilization is the in if you explain it in a layman's term it is the mating you know meeting of gametes male and female gametes and in vitro is means lab so in ivf that is in vitro fertilization what we do is we extract the eggs from a woman's body and then we fertilize it with a male gamete that is sperm in our lab and uh, the baby which is normally formed in a woman's body is formed in the lab that baby we call it as embryo and that embryo is then uh, transferred back inside a woman's body so this is uh, you know the uh, in a in a general the meaning of in vitro fertilization so this is an advanced technique uh, specially designed for uh, infertile couples or women who are unable to conceive naturally so this is the process of ivf right so here i have a question just out of my curiosity how much time does it take um as in when we are talking about the embryo which is being developed in the lab so what is the duration of that uh so if we talk about you know from a patient's perspective that uh, you know how long will it take for them to get their baby formed or you know so it usually the process starts uh, when a woman gets her period 
so it starts from the second day of her period you know in a normal uh, woman also if if a woman is not going for an ivf if we just talk about a woman who is planning for a pregnancy so how we actually calculate when the baby is going to you know uh, be formed in her body so the same process takes place in ivf also it, it actually is uh, you know clear reflection of what actually happens in a, a normally also in a woman's body so if we see a normal pattern in normal physiology of woman's body from a second day of a period when she gets a period the eggs that time are very very small very very tiny structures in her ovary and uh, as the uh, you know day progresses you know due to under the influence of some hormones these eggs slowly and gradually they begin to grow and by approximately 12 to 14th day of her period the ovulation takes place and once this ovulation takes place uh, it waits in a female uh, tube or a female body for the sperm to fertilize with it so uh, it waits for the sperm the sperm comes in the body it fertilizes with the egg and uh, you know the first uh, zygote that we call the fertilization product that is formed inside a female falpian tube so that uh, then further multiplies and actually after 5 to 6 days it forms a, a mature embryo called blastocyst and that time it is ready to come in enter from a fallopian tube inside the uterus and implant inside the uterus so the same process takes place in ivf also once the woman gets her period from the second day onwards the egg begins to grow under the stimulation that we give her the eggs they grow and at when they are ready to ovulate you know the ovulation which was supposed to be happening naturally that we collect the egg at that particular time we collect the egg from a woman's body and then we fertilize it in outside in the lab and when the baby is formed you know that same process after fertilization that zygote then it further multiplies and forms an egg so approximately if you take it from 14th plus 5 days approximately 19th to 20th day the embryo is transferred back inside a woman's body and after that we wait for you know implantation to take place and approximately after transferring the embryo after 10 days that uh, you know 28 day cycle we we get the expected result whether the pregnancy happens or not so the whole process of embryo formation if you consider it takes approximately 19 to 20 days and if you combine it with the result that the pregnancy result another 10 days so approximately 28 to 30 days all right thank you for answering that for better understanding of myself and our audience as well uh, moving on to our next question what are some of the treatment options that you offer so we at sci ivf center are offering a multitude of uh, you know treatments for the patient who are suffering from infertility who are facing the problem of uh, you know uh, difficulty conceiving so it starts from the ba- very basic level when a patient first consult us we usually advise the important thing here is to you know every patient is different every patient's requirement is different their age groups is, are different uh, so we first investigate the patient completely so there are there are plethora of tests that a patient has to undergo 
both male and female partner and uh, once the investigations are there based on their investigation reports we counsel them uh, counseling is done and uh, uh, based on the reports we decide what treatment will be best for the patient so there are different treatment options available for the patient it can be anything as simple as ovulation induction where we just give some medications tablets to induce ovulation in a woman and we ask them to have you know uh, a normal uh, course of uh, uh, process like they normally do and uh, there are other methods like ovarian stimulation then moving on if the patient has you know has failure with such treatment then we move on towards a higher end like we move, move offer them intrauterine insemination as well uh, and above that more advanced like ivf and icsi are there it is all dependent on what the patient's criteria is what is the patient's requirement what are their uh, actual basic problem uh, if if there is a you know problem with the semen quality or the semen parameters then we give them you know treat them accordingly uh, we correct the hormonal imbalances through medications and treatment if if usually when the uh, the treatment is not you know the problem is not amenable to the normal treatment then we move ahead to the higher options so we have all sorts of treatment starting from normal natural conception to iui ivf we also offer uh, treatments like uh, Uh, pre-implantation genetic testing for patients who have history of recurrent abortions or recurrent pregnancy loss owing to you know genetic abnormalities in the baby and we also do advanced techniques like uh, uh, testicular sperm extraction in patients who have you know nil sperm in their semen so such patients who have you know in spite of uh, all the medications they have no sperm in their semen such patients are offered treatment of uh, advanced treatments like uh, tisa right so uh this brings me to my next question what are some of the reasons that couples have to opt for ivf so shruti uh if you see nowadays uh, ivf uh, you know the infertility problem has become very very common uh, almost like uh, uh, 40 to 50 percent of uh, couples are suffering from this problem uh, owing to you know so many changes that have taken place in the environment you know a lot of toxins in the pollution and you know delaying of fertility due to career and all these things so the thing here is um, uh, now uh, when we usually see the patients they are uh, they the ma- most common reason that we find uh, you know people actually uh, coming for is uh, uh, you know tubal blockage tubes are blocked you know due to some infections in the past like tuberculosis or any other infections leading to tubal blockage then uh, there are other reasons like uh, um, patients have poor quality eggs owing to advanced age you know earlier when um, the if you see a decade back or you know even two decades back the the age for marriage for most of the women used to be in their 20s now it has shifted to early 30s and mid 30s so you know it is impacting their fertility uh, the ovarian quality and the egg quality and the ovarian uh, egg count is going down with the increasing age because of the postponement of the uh, parenthood so this has become a very very important cause of uh, infertility and uh, when they actually start to try and uh, you know they are unable to conceive then um, after many trials then they have to opt for ivf 
then other causes uh, for ivf have been like uh, male factor infertility it is very very common to see that sperm quality has deteriorated over deteriorated over the period of time because we see lots a uh, lot of cases uh, which have poor sperm quality or you know absent sperms in the semen such patients we are usually ivf you know and more advanced form of ivf that is icsi is advised in such patients then there are uh, other reasons like you know, uh, you know severe cases of endometriosis um, and there are also some patients of uh, you know unknown reason where you know in spite of trying all the treatment options they have not been able to conceive so these are some of the patients that usually opt for ivf here, I would like to ask you uh, one other question. As you just mentioned that uh, parenthood, when it com comes to girls or women, that has shifted. And it has now shifted more towards the either early 30s or mid 30s. So uh, would you say or would you suggest uh, that uh, like um, birthing early is a better option or is there a way that women can learn how okay. to cope up with yeah. this? It's, a, it's an excellent question. It's a very, very good question. I think it fits in the current scenario very well. Uh, you know, it, now this uh, postponement of parenthood has become a reality. You know, um, if, you know, you cannot uh, force anybody to have, you know, early, uh, uh, you know, marriage or early pregnancy if they are not in that state or, you know, it is, it is somebody's own right and personal choice. But there are ways, you know, every uh, if they are planning for postponement of their marriage or they are thinking of late, uh, you know, parenthood, there are ways that they can, you know, decide and make a choice themselves, the, whether they should, you know, if they are getting married late, but when to actually start for planning pregnancy, it, should it be, you know, immediately or they can still wait for another two, three years to start, uh, you know, planning for pregnancy. So there are tests, you know. Uh, there are certain blood tests and there are ultrasounds which can predict their fertility. Okay. So, you know, every woman is different. You, you should never copy somebody like some celebrities who are getting pregnant in their 40s or, you know, in their uh, late uh, 40s also. So uh, the important thing is every individual is different. Their fertility is different. The rate of decline of fertility also differ from person to person, even in geographical areas from it varies with different races uh, you know caucasians if you see uh, you know right. americans and europeans they have a higher fertility at a particular age compared to the same fertility in the same age group in indian women so we mm -hmm. have to mm -hmm. see that and you know uh, uh, if we are getting married late or you know if you are planning for then there are certain tests they should get those tests done see an infertility specialist and never believe on the reference range which is given by the lab. You know, normally what we do when we want to get at our hemoglobin check, we just go to a, you know, a close by lab, get a hemoglobin check. And if it is showing in the range, if it is, you know, your hemoglobin is 11.5 and it is showing the normal range is between 10 to 12, then you are happy that it is within the range. But these tests are very, very specific. Don't go uh, with the range which is given on the lab, you know, lab chart. They will give a range of between this to this is normal and you'll be happy, although it is in the lower range. It is lower side of the normal and you should actually be 
trying actively for pregnancy that you shouldn't get reassured okay it, it is falling within the range and it is saying that it is normal important thing is get a test done and then meet an infertility specialist okay they will be the right person to guide you whether you should be waiting for a year or so whether you should be waiting for another you know two years three years you know if there are there are predictive models based on those tests where you can actually decide whether you should be actively uh, pursuing the pregnancy or you can you know delay and if you want to delay then how long one year two year three years so uh, you know these advances have come in a big way and i think uh, the current generation the youngsters should really really adopt these uh, you know should uh, go for these tests when they plan for pregnancy absolutely i am so glad to have you on board with us today because um, i am 34 and i have a lot of friends who are in this age only and either they are just getting married or maybe they might get married in next 2 3 years so it is a common topic between us that you know obviously we we do talk about it that okay so and so mm -hmm. is happening and we don't know how to go on about it so i'm so glad mm -hmm. that uh, we touched this question and thank you for answering it um i'm sure it is going to help a lot of audience and people like me people like my friends so uh moving on to the next question what are some myths that you would like to break on this uh episode on this podcast um shruti this is another very good question that uh, what are the myths I, I there are so many myths associated with ivf and you know we uh, we come uh, across these kinds of myths every day when patients come and tell their stories and you know they tell us okay uh, the most important myth that i have seen with ivf is the age you know in uh, in every patient's mind when they are suffering through infertility the thing that goes through is like ivf is for people who are you know who have already you know in their 40s or in their late 30s they think that they are too young you know a woman who is below 30 or you know 25 if you talk about ivf in them they are like oh my god i'm just 20 i'm 25 i'm just 28 you know uh, i'm still young why should i think about ivf so uh, important thing is age is definitely uh, one of the most important predictor of success in any form of treatment whether you are trying for a natural conception whether you are trying for any other uh, you know intrauterine insemination or ivf age is the most important factor of predictor of success so uh, you know if a patient uh, is suffering from infertility and uh, uh, the thing is they keep on trying uh, you know multiple cycles through medications and you know uh, if they are not uh, able to achieve success then they move on to some other doctor then they move on to some other doctor you know they try all forms sorts of treatment and you know when after 5 6 7 years of unsuccessful trial when they feel now is the right age then they move on to ivf because at that time they feel that they are not in that age group which they should be opting for ivf so important thing is uh, the correct counseling is very important here second is proper investigation you know you may be a candidate for ivf even in your 20s even if you are 25 if your reports are showing that certain parameters have gone down drastically you know the criteria for ivf you know there is there are certain criterias which we decide and it is not dependent on age the important thing is uh, once the investigations 
the patients are investigated completely a proper counseling is required uh, a patient may be allowed to go through conservative methods for a certain period of time but then they have to mark a stop after which they need to move ahead otherwise even with the ivf if they come late to us the success rate decreases drastically so uh, even if if they you know ivf also is not a 100% success rate uh, procedure so if a patient comes to us in their early stages of you know problem then we are able to help them better we are able to give them a better success rate rather than when they come where all their you know uh, options are exhausted and their reserves are exhausted that actually you know put them in the poor prognosis cases and if with such patients achieving success becomes a very very difficult task so the important thing is you should uh, the, the patient should understand that age has nothing to do with the ivf uh, proper counseling is very important if the counseling is good and we see that the patient fits in the criteria of a conservative we go for a conservative management but if we see if the patient is the candidate for ivf then immediate ivfs produce better success rate so this is one of the thing that i see and there are other you know uh, patients feel you know I, if they are undergoing ivf then they have to you know be on a complete bed rest they feel that if we have put an embryo it is like a it's like a small ball if they if they stand or if they walk fast or if they run it is going to fall off you know so this is one of the greatest thing you know they feel whether we'll be able to continue our day to day activities you know they ask whether meri mummy chachi and all do i need to call them to take care of household chores and all those so that these things uh, it's very important to understand ivf is almost like a, a natural pregnancy only there are no major you know restrictions which are advised to the patient they can continue with their normal day to day life activities there is no bed rest allow, you know advised to the patient we in fact tell them to continue with their daily activities they have to walk they have to do 20 minutes walk after each meal you know when they take food they have to walk around because you know they are on hormones hormonal medications and these hormonal medications you know they tend to make your blood little thick so it is advisable that they move around so that the blood flow is maintained blood flow is maintained to the uterus to the you know their legs and everything so the side effects of medications are much less if you are active compared to if you are on complete bed rest so this is another myth which is very commonly seen in ivf patients and some other things are like you know increase risk of cancer the side effects with the medication they feel if they take so much of hormones they are going to land up with cancer but the important thing here to understand is that uh, pregnancy uh, is the most important factor which protects you from any kind of cancer any kind of cancer you know a female uh, who has had a pregnancy in her lifetime is protected from ovarian cancer breast cancer endometrial cancer the the mere fact that uh, you are suffering from infertility or not able to conceive puts you in a high risk group for cancers rather than you know the medications that we give to make a patient pre pregnant are actually pushing her towards in a safer zone you know the pregnancy is going to give her put her in a safe zone rather than you know being in an un, you know infertile status so the medication whatever hormones that we give the effects uh, side effects are transient they are not long lasting and you know they persist for that particular time and then uh, they subside so 
there are millions of patients who have delivered by IVF and the studies have shown that the medications usually don't increase the risk of cancer. So these are some of the things that we see in our uh, you know, day-to-day uh, routine practice. Dr. Nupur for breaking these myths because I think yes these are some very common myths that people carry around with them and because obviously they are first of all very scared of this so that's why they don't even go for consultation and till the time they don't go they won't get to know these things so I would like to show my gratitude gratitude to you for sharing these myths and breaking them. So um, as we have already talked about the treatments uh, that you offer but here I would like to ask you, uh, are there any particular treatments that a couple can opt for? Something that you did not mention in the uh, previous point? Uh, the thing here is um, uh, if a patient wants to go for like treatment procedure, first thing, it is not that uh, IVF is the first option. We will we move according to an algorithm. We first, uh, you know, offer conservative treatment. If the patient doesn't conceive through them, then we move on to a higher step. And uh, uh, for some patients, IVF is the first choice of treatment. Uh, there are patients who opt for IVF other than infertility cases. Like there are patients who, uh, you know, suffer from some genetic problem. They have history of, you know, hemophilia or thalassemia or some you know, mental problem uh, in their genetic uh, uh, history of some lethal uh, disease in the family, and they don't want it to be transmitted to their child. So they, these are also the couples for whom you know, we do IVF because IVF offers an advantage where before transferring the embryos, you can screen the embryos for any genetic disease. We call it pre-implantation genetic testing. So we screen the embryos, we, you know, we screen the couple, the husband and wife for the genetic problem, that genetic mutation, that specific gene. Uh, another reason for patients to undergo IVF is history of any genetic problem in the family. Right. Um, so uh, before to moving towards the end of this conversation, I just have one more question uh, for you. Could you tell the process in uh, maybe a simple layman language for people to understand what they might be looking at if they intend to go for IVF? So uh, IVF process is, uh, you know, it, it stimulates, it, it is very similar to the natural process which takes place in your body. Uh, the thing here is uh, to that natural process is actually, you know, enhanced with medications. So the process starts from the second day of a woman's period. And from that second day, uh, we give medications to the patient depending on what type of IVF they will be opting on. They will, there are different types of IVF based on what the patient's requirement is, what the uh, actual cause of uh, you know problem in the patient is. So from starting from the second day, there are certain set of medications which are given to the patient. And they can be in form of tablets. They can be in form of injections. So these medications usually, uh, uh, you know, on an average go for approximately 10 to 12 days. If we take 12 days, so uh, approximately 12 days, the patient has to take the medications. The 
medications or the injections that they, they don't need to come to the you know clinic daily for them we give those medications they can take them home and they can you know if there are injections they can keep them in the refrigerator and those are all self injections very easy to take pen form and they just have to rotate the dial the needle is very very small like an insulin syringe and the patient usually self inject medication to themselves they are taught in every possible way and every form of support and you know assistance is given to them in form of telephonic consultation everything we are 24 hours in touch with our patients who are undergoing ivf so if they face any form of difficulty even if they call at 10 in the you know even if they call in the midnight 12 or 2 am we usually pick up the call and assist them with whatever difficulties they have so you know it is like a continuous medication for and then after certain period of time like after 10 days we'll give them a call or they will come back to us for a review we do the scan for them the scan will show how they have responded to the medication we need to assess the response you know sometimes we call them after 4 days uh, uh, sometimes we call them after 7 days sometimes we call them after 10 days based on what treatment they are basically on so if they are on injections we call them after 4 days then we assess the response we change the dose of the medication or we continue the same dose and then uh, you know at a uh, based on the response we give them an approximate date that this is the going to be uh, this is date is going to be the day when we take out your eggs so at approximately 14th day the ovulation uh, you know uh, the egg extraction date uh, is usually uh, you know confirmed to the patient uh, and uh, they come uh, if they are undergoing egg pickup they are uh, you know advised to come uh, in the clinic at particular time and uh, then the eggs are retrieved uh, from the body uh, under anesthesia so it is not a painful procedure the patient doesn't comes to know uh, what is happening because it will be like a mild anesthesia uh, the patient will have no sense of what is going on once they you know get consciousness uh, they will be informed about the number of eggs which are retrieved and the same day the eggs and sperms are fertilized and the baby is formed in the lab and then after that the patient is discharged with certain medications and then they are asked to come back again after 3 days or 5 days and then the we tell them about the embryo status we show them their embryos okay these are the embryos you know what kind of embryos have been formed how many embryos have been formed uh, how many eggs were retrieved and how many fertilized how many embryos were formed and how many embryos will be transferring back inside their uterus and the remaining embryos we will be freezing them for future use uh, you know if we get six embryos um, will be transferring two to three the remaining will freeze uh, you know if they want to conceive again after first child then those embryos can remain frozen for another five years so they can even come and come back to us for second child with those frozen embryos so it doesn't impact the quality of the embryos freezing and all that and you know once the embryo transfer is done after that we call them after another 10 days so approximately a 28 day cycle if we you know consider so 28th day we will get the result whether the patient has conceived or not thank you so much dr anupur garg for explaining everything in such detailing and as you just mentioned towards the end that uh, you can even freeze the embryo and go for the second child with the same uh, embryo so yeah i think most of the people don't know about these things so thank you for sharing these uh, lastly to end the session i would just like for you to mention how can people get in touch with you how can they visit you or yeah basically start that initiate that first step towards ivf um shruti uh, 
it's uh, very easy uh, we can always patients who are in uh, you know problem they can always contact us uh, through you know website we have a website www.sciivf.com uh, are uh, everywhere our numbers have been you know written two centers are there uh, belonging to sci one is in uh, sci uh, ivf uh, sector 63 noida and another one uh, the center is in uh, greater kalash gk1 uh, the S21 GK1 uh, SCI IVF Center. So uh, these are some of the ways you can always connect to us. We are also, you know, we give also give telephonic consultation to patients who are sitting, you know, in different cities, even in different countries. We are giving consultations telephonically if they have any problems or any doubts. And uh, you know, many of our patients visit us after getting all the investigations done, so that you know much of the time is saved. So yeah, these are some of the ways they can connect back to us. All right, Dr. Gar, thank you so much for taking out time for this conversation and sharing all that information with our audience. I am sure it is going to help a lot of people to take these decisions and be a little fearless and uh, yeah, get in touch with you to start or initiate the process of IVF for themselves. Thank you. Thank you for taking out time. Thank you so and... much, Shruti. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. So guys, uh, as you just saw and heard uh, the conversation that I just had with Dr. Nupur Garg. And for me also, it was an eye opener because there were a lot of things that even I did not know. So I would suggest each and every one of you to um, hear to what just happened, hear to what just Dr. Nupur Garg said. And if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to get in touch with them. Um, and I wish you luck, wish you a beautiful life. Um, I see you soon with another episode and another way of life, another motivation to keep going on. Thank you. Shruti Outloud welcomes all stories. It can be a brand, it can be an organization, or it can be a person. The only thing common would be passion for life. Please subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Ghana Podcast, and every other platform where you can hear this. Please leave a review as that helps my podcast to grow. Thank you once again. See you for the next episode. Bye.